This afternoon we'll continue the walk through the Lord's Prayer that we've been doing together as a congregation. And we'll be dealing with the fifth petition, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So in connection with that, we'll be reading from two passages, two short passages. The first is James 1, the verses 19 to 20, and the second is Proverbs 10, verse 12. James 1, the verses 19 to 20, you'll be able to find on page 1386 of your pew Bible. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Second passage is Proverbs, Proverbs 10, verse 12, which you'll be able to find on page 735. Another short one. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. So far, the word of God. Opening now to the Heidelberg Catechism, we'll read Lord's Day 51, which you'll be able to find on page 563 of your book of praise. What is the fifth petition? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That is, for the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, wretched sinners, any of the transgressions, nor the evil which still clings to us. As we also find this evidence of your grace in us, that we are fully determined wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbor. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we begin our service this afternoon, I'd like to present to you two scenarios. And I want to see if they are familiar for you, if they maybe ring true. And the first, Old King Cole is usually a merry old soul. He is a king who enjoys life and gets along pretty well with people. But one day, it doesn't go so well. He's king sitting in the counting house, counting out his money, and he realizes that the books just don't add up. That someone's been making all kinds of mistakes. And to boot, someone else has been embezzling from the kingdom. On top of that, people have been coming to him all day long, presenting him with all kinds of petitions, most of which are so small and petty that it's been driving him up the wall to deal with it. Well, he finishes a long day and he starts heading home and he's hungry and he's tired. The queen is back at home. She's sitting in the parlor eating bread and honey. The king comes in and he looks at the queen and he sees her just sitting there. And she says, I'm sorry, dear. Uh, this is the last slice of bread and I haven't gotten around to making supper yet. It's going to be a while. Well, he's grumpy, he's tired, he's frustrated. It's the perfect storm. And he just blows up at her. Can't you think of anybody but yourself? You could have at least saved me this 
last slice of bread. You would have known that coming home. I'd be hungry. In the second scenario, you have little Bo, little Bo Beep and her brother, Little Boy Blue. Their parents are going to town, and they have been asked to keep an eye on the sheep. Well, for little Bo Beep, this is super frustrating because she has all kinds of other things that she needs to take care of right now. But she agrees to do it anyways. She ends up going out into the field, and her parents go off to town. While she's in the field with her brother, she's thinking about all these things that she has to do. She kind of looks at her brother and looks at the sheep, looks back at her brother. You can take care of this for a little while, right? Oh, yeah, sure, I can do that. All right. Well, she goes back home to take care of one or two things. Her little brother, within about five minutes, picks up a stick, and he starts to do some sword fighting. Within about ten minutes, he's slaying dragons, conquering castles, and doing all kinds of other things that a knight in shining armor would do. And about a half hour after that, he's under a haystack, fast asleep. A little Bobby comes back, and she sees her little brother lying under a haystack, and all the sheep scattered all over the field. And she just loses it at him. Come on! I mean, I know you're small, but can't you at least be a little bit responsible? Smaller siblings. She is so angry. She's just asked him to do one thing, and he can't even do that. Brothers and sisters, are these two scenarios somewhat familiar to you? That you have this irrational anger sometimes that's completely out of proportion with the thing that's happened rise up inside of you after somebody has done something. You know you shouldn't, but you're grumpy, and so you nurse your anger. 10,000 little things have been happening all day. Finally, this one thing comes along, and that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. You blow up. In Christ, we are taught to replace anger with forgiveness. This is something that's familiar to all of us. These issues that we face, these day-to-day issues that we face, with regards to 10,000 little things that we face, are also familiar to all of us. And so we find today, as we look at this petition in the Lord's Prayer, we find that in Christ we're taught to replace anger with forgiveness. And we find that, first of all, we acknowledge our anger. Second, that we reject our anger's legitimacy. And third, that we're taught to forgive as Christ forgave. In the first place, we're taught to acknowledge our anger. Anger is something that's obviously a very real thing in all of our lives. We recognize it, especially in the fact that the Bible deals with it in so many different places and in so many different ways. God sees that this is a problem area in every person's life. Everyone struggles with it to some degree. 
you'll find that even the person who's the most calm on the outside, the person who seems to have the most forgiving nature on the outside, that they'll have it, that they'll come in and they'll see something that's out of place or something that's not done that should have been done or any other thing like that. And they'll, they'll feel this rising up in their gut. Just, But then they push it down again and they carry on. And from the outside, it looks like they continue to be this most forgiving person. Legitimate or not, we need to recognize the existence of anger in our lives and recognize so often the sin that it leads to. When we see people doing things, then we need to deal with our anger in different ways. Say, honey, that upset me. Oh, little boy blue. We ought not to suppress our anger. That leads to bitterness and that leads to a pressure cooker of emotions building up within us. Not to have weeks and laundry lists of items that have piled up because that for sure will burst out or it'll affect us in different ways. We touched down on that briefly in Hebrews 12, verse 15, where it says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we harbor our anger and we suppress it and we try to squeeze it into some small corner of our being, then all it does is remain there as a seed that's ready to spring up, as a root that springs up and brings out trouble. When we harbor our anger, Hebrews 12 shows us that we miss out so much on grace. So in response to that, we are taught to reject our anger's legitimacy. This is something that's true for us at home, at school, or at work. Now, obviously, today, we're not going to be immediately dealing with righteous anger. You do get the question of righteous anger that arises when Jesus Christ is in the temple and he's seeing all of these people who are busy selling things at outrageous prices and cheating people in the household of God. And that really causes him to be angry for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of a righteous cause. He responds to that. He responds to that in a significant way. But that's not the kind of anger that we're going to be dealing with today. We're not dealing with those major issues today. But today we'll be looking at these 10,000 small grievances. We recognize that for 99% of us, about 99% of our anger is clearly not for a righteous cause. In counting to 10 maybe, right before we explode, when we feel it rising up, we ought to remember that. To take that time to recognize that our anger is not necessarily for a righteous cause, not in the way that Jesus expressed it. 
In the second place, we ought to ask the question, is this person even trying to make me angry? We'll have it quite frequently that we'll come into a situation like old King Cole with his wife eating bread and honey. All she's doing is sitting there eating bread and honey. She's obviously not trying to provoke. And that ought to cause us to question, in the second place, the legitimacy of our anger. Is this person even trying to make me angry? In the third place, we ought to ask ourselves, is this anger something that's worthy of hell or worthy of our irritation? Is this something that is actually something that we should be concerned about on their behalf for the sake of their souls? Or is it something that just rubs me the wrong way? Of course, we address repeated irritations, but if it's not deliberate, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 5 speaks to that as well. It says, love is patient. It's not easily angered. In light of so many of these different things that we experience, we are taught to question the legitimacy of our anger. And Jesus Christ himself expresses this most vividly in the parable of the unforgiving servant. In this particular parable, Jesus speaks about a king who has a servant in front of him. And this servant owes him 10,000 talents. This servant owes him an incredible amount of money. The king says, pay this for me. He's calling this man to account. This servant, he comes before the king and he falls down on his knees and he's crying out in mercy, forgive me for this. Just give me more time and I'll pay it back. The king looks down on him in compassion. And the king, the king looks down on him in compassion and the king says to him, go, your debt is forgiven. The servant, he gets up and he goes out. And as he's walking out of there, he sees another servant who owes him money. And he grabs the servant and he starts to choke him. And he says, pay me what you owe. Well, the servant drops down on his knees and begs, just give me more time. And this man says, no, I won't give you more time. And he throws him to the jailers in order to torture him until his money should be paid back. Jesus looks at that and he says, what do you think the answer of the king is? Well, the king himself, he comes back, he calls that servant back to account, and he condemns him for what he's done. He says, I've forgiven you so much, and you would not forgive this little thing? In the same way, Jesus calls us to question the legitimacy of our anger in relation to what God has done for us. He calls us to remember how much we've been forgiven. And to look at this way that this other person has dealt with us. To see how small that is in relation to how big it is what God has done for us. 
And he calls us to reject our anger's legitimacy. There is one thing in particular that happens, and this is particularly in the case of marriage, but it also happens in many other cases. That is the height of foolishness. We have it in many situations that when somebody does something to us, we feel this need to get back at them. We see that this person owes us a debt and we feel the need to make them pay. Whatever you do, especially in marriage, don't get back at your spouse. Don't get back at anyone. Not only does God say it, it's mine to avenge, I will repay. And in our passage, we, say, we see that every man should be swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But we can see that in a more immediate way, this destroys the trust of those who are near and dear to us. And we can see the value in what God says with regards to love covering over a multitude of wrongs. Now, statistically, these statistics can be, uh, these statistics were taken from Jeff and Shanti Feldham's books, For Men Only and For Women Only. Statistically speaking, there's different ways in which people tend to get back at each other. Men have a tendency, statistically speaking, to stonewall to run, or to suppress their emotions. They'll do this by sitting down and watching TV, reading, or going to the workshop. Now, women recognize that this doesn't always happen with bad intentions. They don't always want to argue. Sometimes they just need time to process. But men, this should give us a chance to reflect on the question, am I using this as time to process or am I using this as a weapon to get back at my spouse? My spouse is angering me and so I'm going to distance myself from her in order to punish her. Statistically, women respond by wanting to talk it out. They'll voice their emotions and they'll fr- their frustrations and maybe even their criticisms. They also don't always have bad intentions. They might seem critical, but recognize that they want to be heard. But remember, woman, that words too can cut like a knife. That when you criticize And when you voice these, you too can use it as a weapon to destroy your husband, no matter how strong he might seem from the outside. Don't get back at him. Don't get back at her. Whether it be your spouse, your coworker, your friend, your family relation, or kids, your siblings. There's different ways in which people get back at each other even outside of this relationship. It might be through a cold shoulder or being angry for the rest of the day to punish them or calling it their fault 
in fleeing to porn or alcohol or reckless driving with this person in the passenger seat, be it friends or or family. But in all of these things, you hurt yourself just as much. Recognize your anger. Acknowledge your anger for what it is. Don't suppress it. But once you've done that, reject the legitimacy of your response. Reject the legitimacy of responding in such a way in light of what Christ has done for us. And now there's one final thing in which we tend to in which we tend to respond in anger. And this is one of the greatest weapons that people use against each other. This is one that appears within the realm of marriage, and in this case, it's exclusively within the realm of marriage. In this case, it's the question of withholding physical or emotional intimacy as a weapon to hurt. Here again, I want to emphasize the fact that it's as a weapon to hurt. Of course, you need to know your timing for your spouse. It might be that after a long day of just fighting together, this might be a thought to reach out in love, to try fix things in a last-ditch effort, but it'll feel like being used. Recognize the danger of that. But at the same time, for those who are withholding it, recognize the words of 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5 as well. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. Brothers and sisters, the reality of the situation is that there will be times when you feel too hurt and too broken to be intimate. Take that as a special time. Take that as a special time to set aside and focus on prayer. Pray for each other. Pray with each other. And tell each other what you're doing and why. Because if you just say, let's just pray tonight, it might come across as confusing. You'll find that in bringing each other before the Lord, you can be awed at the healing that he grants from that. Work through your anger as you spend time together and pray for forgiveness. And this leads us to our final point. Forgive as Christ forgave. All too often in our responses to people, when we realize that we've angered somebody, then, uh, and if we think that they had no real right to be angry. We hold that against them and we tend not to forgive them for the fact that they are angry with us. And so quite often response is, if I did something, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, such a response is not particularly helpful because often it's taken as a real, I'm not really sorry. Proverbs 15 verse 1 speaks to that and it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. 
Rather, a more helpful answer can be something like, it wasn't my intention. I'm sorry I did that. What we're called today to remember as we go through this fifth petition is that we ourselves need to be ready and willing to apologize at the drop of a hat. Not flippantly, but sincerely. We read in Ephesians 4 verse 26, don't let the sun go down on your anger. We need to address it. The same goes for forgiveness. We're called to forgive at the drop of the hat, not flippantly, but sincerely. Again, called to remember that we are not to let a root of bitterness grow in our hearts. This is something which goes for all relationships in our lives, whether at home, at school, or at work. It's something which affects every sphere of life. At this point, you might be asking, how is this possible? How can I find the strength to respond in such a way? To this, we are called to remember. Remember that Christ died for you while you were an enemy. Christ died for you while you were an enemy. Romans 5 verse 10. While we were sinners, while we were yet enemies of Christ, he died for us. We recognize that he could have gotten angry. We did so much worse. Every time somebody else sins against us, pardon me, every time somebody, we sin against somebody, we're not only sinning against that individual person, but we're also sinning against God, just as grievously, if not more so. So we're called to remember that the sins that we have against any one person is nothing in comparison to the sins that we've sinned against God. If Christ was able to let go of his anger to such an extent that in light of all of this, he was still willing to come, to die for us, to sacrifice himself for us, shouldn't we be willing to consider letting go of petty things? To encourage us in this, God teaches us, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. We ought to remember the importance of those words, brothers and sisters. Because when God is saying that, he's saying that with regards to all of the sins that were committed against us as well. Too often when we think of something like that, when we think of the concept of sin, we're thinking in a big picture, in a, in a theoretical sense, there's sin out there. But we don't recognize that it's actually something that's committed against someone most of the time. And so, we are called to remember that Christ forgave that as well. When someone sins against us, God does avenge. He either avenged that sin in Christ or he will avenge that sin in eternity. And so we're brought once again to the conclusion that we have ultimately no right to harbor anger. We need to constantly remind ourselves of that. That we acknowledge our anger, but we reject 
our anger's legitimacy and remember what Christ has done. Now, 10,000 times a day, we can feel these provocations. 10,000 times a day, somebody will come up to us and do something to us and we'll feel the effects of that and the desire to respond to that. When you feel this anger rise up, remember, remember three things in particular. First of all, that Christ forgave me freely and fully. That Christ forgave me freely and fully. Anything that I have done against someone else, he has forgiven that. Secondly, that he knows my deepest thoughts, my resentments, and my rebellions. So whatever someone else may perceive within us, the truth of it is even more. And yet he was willing to forgive that. And third, that we're not alone in this battle. It can seem rather overwhelming to consider the idea that we have to forgive others as Christ forgave us. But we remember that we are not alone in this battle. Pray for the fruit of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, whoever asks for the Spirit of my name, this I will give him. And when we receive the Spirit, we are given the fruit of the Spirit as well. The fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are free gifts of God that are within our grasp if we ask Him for them. True, our situations from day to day can seem overwhelming, and these 10,000 little things can seem too much to control. But we do have a spirit who works in our hearts, who transforms us from day to day, and who will give us the strength to fight. And so, in the power of the spirit, acknowledge the existence of your anger. Reject your anger's legitimacy, brothers and sisters, and know that he will give you the strength to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Amen.